everybody, welcome to Game Off number 18. 18 means we're old enough to date now. Oh yeah. This week we got the Stadia launch coverage. Uh, the launch lineup was announced along with some new key features. Uh, we also have a one-game showcase this week because me and Andy decided to play Outer Worlds at the same time. But good news, it's a pretty good game. I'm your co-host, Brent, a.k.a. Arcadia, along with... Andrew, a.k.a. Solitalker. The way you said at the same time, I, I pictured us like both sitting and syncing up our Xbox starting at the same time. Ready? Three, two, one, go! <laughs> well, let's not lie to the folks. You yeah, were no, just that... sitting on my lap. <laughs> you gave me a controller from a Sega Saturn and told me that I was playing too. <laughs> Alright, well, now that we've fumbled through the intro, Google Stadia, it's a launching. Yeah. Really soon. On the 19th, that's probably about when this podcast will release. So you may be listening to this as a launch podcast. Hey, welcome all you new listeners. Um, they announced today that there's going to be 12 games coming out to it uh, at launch. Did you see this list, Andy? I did. I did. I, and I'm looking at it now just in case I hadn't seen it before. Um, <laughs> there's uh, a, a lot of games you're probably familiar with here. Yep. A lot of really good games. Uh, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, really good. Uh, Just Dance 2020, a classic. <laughs> yeah. Guilt well, and Kine, both ones that we love. We've talked about here many times before. <laughs> Destiny 2, which is just strength after strength with that one. And um, SNK's new game, Samurai Showdown, which is a series and developer that we've been hearing a lot of lately. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, what's interesting about this list is that uh, of those games, Guilt is the only exclusive, mm -hmm. um, which means that all these other games have already come out and are available on almost all platforms. Um, Guilt is an indie title by Tequila Works, who did uh, was Dead, 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 Dead Light, Sexy Brutality, Rhyme. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, well-regarded games, but uh, not not the killer app that people usually expect from a huge platform release. No, um, and I think the last thing that they did um, was that very well-received, definitely necessary Groundhog Day game that came out last month or the month before. Huh? Groundhog like Day. Af like after the movie? Groundhog Day, like father, like son. Did you, did you not okay. hear about this? No, of course I didn't. It's Should a, I have? It's a Groundhog Day VR game. Oh. Well, you know I love VR games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, love, I know how much you love when people take intellectual property that's ripe for more exploration and definitely needed additional content developed for it, and then just kind yeah. of tack their stuff onto it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. uh, so Andy recommends that game. But <laughs> back, back to Stadia. Um, there, there will be another, so on top of the 12 that are coming out, there's going to be like 13 or 14 more by the end of the year. Oh yeah. But there's, uh, any, there's nothing... any version of the Ubisoft looter shooter that you want, whether you want it done in cars or in a jungle with guns or in a different jungle with guns or in Washington DC with guns or in the past with swords, all of the skins of the Ubisoft looter shooter are available by end of year. <laughs> Yeah, it's a tr truly a mystery how one can get any Ubisoft games, but thank God Stadia is out now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, so there's nothing here to excite new user or 
current gamers to the platform. I don't uh, like that you're you're making it sound like what I'm saying is not excitement and just sheer unbridled enthusiasm for this. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. Would you like to regale us with how much you love The Division 2 again? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, I'm sorry. Sorry to keep interrupting. Keep going. <laughs> well, so I, I guess... So when I first saw this list, I sort of assumed that the the whole thing was a bit half-baked and they were just trying to get it out the door and monetize it as fast as possible and hope people stick around and continue to monetize it and slowly grow it over time. Make sure that um, you get it out for Christmas. Yeah, which is fine, but this is like a really, really technically demanding platform. And with Google's history <laughs> of just abandoning platforms... Um, it makes me nervous that this is sort of all they're bringing to the table this, this quickly and seem to be rushing it right out the door. Yeah. Before Christmas, I, I don't feel any more confident about the platform. And to be clear, I'm, I'm never rooting against a gaming platform to fail. No. Um, unless you count, uh, the on live that, that thing seems stupid, but everything else. I, I it, for the betterment of all gamers, please work out. But this this is throwing me some negative vibes. But there's not a lot in here that makes me. There's nothing in here that is attracting me as someone who already owns a computer and a decent computer for playing games on. I still haven't heard because it's not out there in the world. I I have no faith in this whole idea of streaming games. I just don't believe yeah. it in it, it working because of so many other things and so many failure points in that between my own router and modem to my ISP throttling to you know yeah. every step along the way. I have no idea what level of you know what how much data this is going to burn of my monthly cap that I apparently now have on my data, which I didn't yep, know I had, yep. but I, I got a message about that a couple weeks ago, so. Um, I don't yeah, know how much that's, yeah. that's going to burn through that. I don't know any any of that. So the tech, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care what kind of demos they can do you know, on the West Coast where they're 10 feet away from their servers. <laughs> I have no faith that any of it works. And so without, like maybe a year after it's released, if I know someone's like, yeah, I've been using this for a while and it works great. And you know, I've done it at the office. I've done it here. I've done it in hotels. Like if you tell me that this can work in a hotel... Okay, I'll yeah, buy. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll believe you. Um, but on top of that, like, it's just, I can get all these games on Steam. I can get all these games on Epic. I can get all these games on any other platform and have just as nebulous of an ownership of them as I do with Google. Yeah, yeah. They, they, this first batch of games is all you have to buy the games um, straight out. Like, there's subscriptions not even available yet, which may be a little bit more uh, consumable for most people. Um, because you're only paying 10 bucks a month until you realize that none of this works. And you don't have to invest into a library on a fourth or fifth platform now. And again, as someone who owns a computer... I pay $5 a month for the Microsoft Game Pass for PC, which is great. It has like 150 games on it, and yeah. I also download those. Like, uh, my concern is that if this is if Google Stadia was something that could stream but could also download, like stream but download if you're going to be in a bad, you know, if you're going to be a place with bad access. 
yeah. or download if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to a, th- a storm or something and, and you don't know if, you know, you're going to lose power or something like that. Right. But I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't trust any of the tech and I don't see anything, any of the list of game as something that's going to say, hey, this is why you need this platform. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I, I think right now it reminds me, well, actually, I think optimistically it reminds me of the first gen VRs where like there was a huge barrier to entry and there's no killer apps for it, but they there's enough interest that they're sticking with it, even though VR is not considered like a profitable market yet. Um, but they want to keep building it out. Um, will Will Stadia ever become a profitable market? <laughs> Do you think Google's going to stick with this for three or four years? I, What's going to happen if I buy all 12 of these games and then in the service shuts down in three years? Oh, I'm sure that they'll have... Um, the fact that they have literally no support of any kind for any of their products or way of contacting support. Oh, God. <laughs> Google hit piece surprise. Oh, I, you know, I I had problem. I bought a Pixel earlier in the year and had issues with it. And the frustration of Verizon telling me to contact Google and Google not existing as a thing that will support me <laughs> was just like, oh, okay. So I guess I have an unsupported device that I bought literally yesterday and can't get tactical support on. <laughs> that and that's my concern. Oh, like, people give Valve shit for being unresponsive to the community and not responding to people's support issues. This is just a thousand times more than that. It's like, it's like they went and looked at all of the things that they, that other platforms got criticized for. <laughs> Let's look at, at, at the Xbox one and how it got criticized for not really, you know, not really having game ownership and always online. And then let's look at <laughs> PlayStation and see how they got criticized for having really choppy streaming. And let's see how, <laughs> how Nintendo and it's weird talking about a pass that they haven't even, you know, an online pass that they haven't even fleshed out yet or explained what it is yet. And, Microsoft, and, you know, just going through all of the different platform holders, let's take all of the things that people criticize them for and put them in a box. The, there was one thing, and I think uh, you indicated that you weren't aware of this feature, that is really neat to me. Yeah. There's this idea that if you're watching a stream of someone playing a game, you're watching someone play, um, I don't know, Doom Eternal, and they, you're watching them, and you're like halfway through the game, there's a boss that you can't beat. If you're watching a stream and you watch that guy beat that boss, you can pick up where the streamer is playing. And basically get their save data from where they are at that moment and start playing the game. So that that sounds really interesting if you're not like fully imprinting the save data and you just have like someone else's save. Because then like, I don't, like merits in gaming sort of go away entirely. But if it's something like, oh, you want to do like a snippet, like here, I want to download this boss fight right now in this current save state. Like, I think that would be very cool. Yeah, I think it's it literally is just you are getting their save game. As, as if you had... I, I don't know the exact details of it because you know, there's only so much information out there on it. But the ability yeah. to just start playing where they are. And, yeah. and it's, I, I think I, I think I got to sit with that one for a bit because you just told, it, told me about that... Uh, very briefly before we started the stream, so I, I don't know how I feel about it, like, as a whole. I get, the, like, the freedom is always good for the consumer to be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, but there's there's something special about, you know, 
Yeah, I, I, I think I just am seeing like people downloading saves like right before the last boss, and then going and being like, "Oh yeah, I beat this game," which I guess isn't a big deal, but I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna have to sit with yeah, it for a yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to to ambush you with that one. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm just like, it's just such a curious thing because we've never had to deal with anything like that ever before in gaming. Well, other than people sharing save day, save games online. Yeah, literally. Uh, yeah, I guess that does happen on PC. But like that, there's there's like so many barriers to doing that. Like, you have to know what you're doing to be able to do that. And I don't think most people have ever partaken in that. Sure. But if that's just a a feature, like if you're playing through Chrome, which is one of the ways you can use Stadia. Um, you and that's just a button on the screen. Like the the barrier to entry to do that is nothing. Right. So yeah, that that's the thing that you can do. Uh, yeah, you know, we you, you can ruminate on that and come back to us next week <laughs> with a with a five paragraph essay on what you think. <laughs> It'll be a proclamation of war, I'm sure. But <laughs> this but. is an assault on all real gamers. <laughs> not not quite that. No, it's no. it's more just that like. The like the merits of gaming or like the not of gaming, but like the merits of accomplishments start start to melt away when you could download a save game. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. It, ask yourself that internally, listeners. If you would download a game and beat the last boss and then brag about it or something, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know who I would be mad at in this situation. It's probably just something that I would choose not to do. Yeah, but also I, not really I think care that much. You're kind of only cheating it. yourself. I, you yeah. Know, in, in, yeah. <laughs> in the same way that someone might like lie about having seen a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh yeah, no, I watched all three Godfather movies. And then maybe they didn't. <laughs> and then obviously my having watched them is worth less. But that's something I have to deal with. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, that's that's a fair retort for sure. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I guess I've just always put in a lot of value in um, in like just just meaty challenges, which I talk about all the time. Yeah, yeah. So to me, yeah, to me, like I wouldn't do it, but I guess I really just shouldn't well, shit on there, other people for doing. There it. is definitely a point to be made, and I think this this goes into actually another conversation that i think we've had before about achievements in games and like there is you know if the achievement itself has a value outside of just you know hey i did this thing but Mm. you know there are games where the achievement unlocks things in the game or the you know right there are people who like on PlayStation, especially, there are achievement games that just give you platinum trophies. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and people pay money for that. Yeah. So clearly, those those platinum trophies have a value to those people. They believe that having that, they've they've associated some kind of value that they're willing to pay two dollars for a game that's going to give them twenty platinum trophies. Right. <laughs> so like, they've there's a value there, even if it's not a, a, a tangible one. And being able to just jump into a game and and have all of the you know jump to the end and get all of those achievements, if people still have a value to it, then yeah, that there is something there, and it does. It, it may be it may have to change the way developers look at the way they're doing their achievements. Yeah, yeah. If you there, if you can just jump at them. There, there, there's there are systems in place where like they can be sort of additive or cumulative um, in nature, but. For the most part, they just use internal systems and like flags and stuff. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, that system's going to have to evolve, especially if that becomes a popular feature that needs to come out with next generation of consoles or, or Steam. I remember in um, Payday 2, you would they sold a lot of DLC that had uh, new weapons in it and mm-hmm. new attachments for those weapons. But a lot of the weapons and attachments were gated behind achievements. And a lot of those achievements required you to have a team of four people completing things on various difficulties. Okay. And in my mind, Payday 2 is not an exclusively online game. It is a game that supports single play. And so having content in a paid DLC that was gated behind exclusively multiplayer online achievements, I thought was really shitty. Especially as it wasn't, especially as it wasn't clear when I bought the DLC that that was the case, yeah. and so I cheated all of those achievements because <laughs> you know I paid for this Wild West pack of guns. I want the guns I paid for, and I don't want to go yeah. and spend three hours in a lobby with a bunch of randos trying to beat this mission on the highest possible difficulty while everyone's wearing the same hats to get it. <laughs> so, like, I, I you know I, I I can see it from that perspective as well as people. If the game is designed around achievements gating things off, people seeing like, okay, yeah. I'm just going to wait until the streamer gets to the point where they're about to beat this boss, and then I'm going to grab that 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 save because I want to get I want to get to the end game content or whatever it is. So yeah. if this becomes a main thing, if this becomes a thing that you know um, other platform holders like Microsoft and Sony mimic as a feature, that's probably going to affect the way that a lot of developers do achievements in their games. For better yeah, or for worse. Yeah. yeah. Well, either way, evolution's on the horizon. Yeah. I, I hope so. Yeah. This, I like the idea of Stadia a lot. I like the idea of being able to buy a box and pay a monthly fee and have access to all the new games. Mm. There's a, well, like I said, you don't even need a box. It, it runs in Chrome yeah. and on smartphones. Oh, but I'm, I'm thinking of it like, um, you know, everyone I knew growing up Growing up, Jesus. Growing up whose parents uh, didn't know anything about games or computers. You know, they, they just knew that, yeah. that their kids wanted the new Nintendo box this year. Right. It's the same way, like, Microsoft has that thing where you can, basically, was it you buy it, you, you pay monthly for the Xbox, and you also get, uh, as part yeah. of it, Xbox Live and Game Pass. Yeah, so all access is like yeah. uh, monthly monthly for the box, which is like the full edition of the Xbox, and then yeah, the Game Pass Ultimate. And I, um, and then there's an upgrade route for the next gen consoles, which is interesting, but they haven't detailed at all. I think that's a great again for for someone for a parent who doesn't care about games and doesn't want their kid coming at you know having to deal with their kid asking them for money every time the new game comes out. Just look, <laughs> this is what you get. You've got a you know you've got a year. It's whatever. What is it? Forty bucks a month or something like that. Uh, yeah. Some, whatever the, the amount is. Here's the amount that you get. This is your entertainment budget for the month, and you have mm-hmm. an Xbox. You have the controllers, and you have whatever games come on that service. Don't come to God. me asking for new games. You get whatever's on there. But then you know it's still getting new games and like that. That's a really cool idea. And Google Stadia has parts of that and parts of other interesting ideas to kind of make gaming more open for people who don't read gaming publications mm-hmm. because stuff like i think like uh that game pass helps encourage people who don't read gaming publications to play indie games and more interesting games and kind yeah, of step away yeah, from right. the triple a market into something a little bit more esoteric 
and a little mm-hmm. you know, that that they would never have seen if they were just walking into a GameStop and buying the you know buying their next game. Yeah, yeah, because most of those games don't even have physical releases. Yeah, even on Xbox, even less so. They have they still have a, some stupid clause where they can't publish physical games um, unless they are going to print like. 10,000 or so like physical copies. I think that's why a lot of them end up becoming like when they do that, they are sold as like collector's editions yeah, rather than just regular print editions. Yep. yep. Yeah. So like, yeah, like, like limited run doesn't make any for Xbox, yeah. for example. Yeah. But so, yeah, this I think is, is a really interesting idea. There's a lot of cool stuff that could be pulled from it, but I don't, I especially don't trust Google to do it right. <laughs> and like, I don't get like, talking about oh we're getting 120 frames per second at 8k resolution what eight people are you advertising to there <laughs> are you talking to like my boss who's got a movie theater in his house like is that who are you well, selling this 8k resolution thing to that's super excited about this that, that's the thing too that they're not they're being sort of uh well, i shouldn't say dodgy it's just like not very clear that you have to pay the subscription fee to get the 4K resolution version of Stadia, and the the subscription doesn't come with all of those games I mentioned for free. It only comes with Destiny 2, which is a free game. <laughs> um, so I, I I think the fact that they're not like laying out their entire like plan for the year, like a year out of support, makes this whole thing also feel extra dodgy. But I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. No, I, no, and I mean, obviously, we're both hyper skeptical about this. And Nintendo, you know, was announcing the pricing of their online service before they'd even described what was in it. I still don't think they've <laughs> really described what's in it yet. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, okay. Like, who's rushing out the doors to be like, oh, let me pre-order the subscription? Unfortunately, some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well. Yes. <laughs> take a hard look in the mirror. So, still on the uh, the wait and see page for google stadia for me yep yeah not not optimistic yet but hopeful yeah <laughs> all right well uh that that's it for news yeah. uh and yeah do you give a fuck about thanksgiving or can we just start talking about christmas <laughs> thanksgiving was a big one in my family um you know what i like more than thanksgiving is like the concept of friendsgiving i think that's a more useful metric and a more useful thing because i I feel like thanksgiving for a lot of people i know who aren't super pally with their family and with their immediate relatives is a really stressful frustrating time for them and it's just it's just like a weekend or a vacation or a trip of a lot of obligation and frustration and arguing and needling of people whereas friendsgiving is a really cool celebration of people who ch- all like each other choosing to get together willingly and share food mm-hmm. and time and things like that. So I think I like Thanksgiving yeah. as the thing that launched Friendsgiving. I think it was a good <laughs> 1.0. I think the sequel Friendsgiving is a lot better. <laughs> we just need to end support for 1.0 at this point. Yeah, you give it a couple more years. You still have a small number of users and that number is dwindling. <laughs> So as that decreases and yeah. they stop paying their, their monthlies, we can, uh, we can just kind of kick support to that to the road. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree. Like, the best part of Thanksgiving was always that, like, 
Because up until recently, I had lived in or near my hometown growing up. But um, Thanksgiving, all my friends from out of town would come back in, and it'd be like a great old time. But th- the day itself of Thanksgiving was just just a whatever day. It's just eat a lot, fall asleep. I'm definitely not a Thanksgiving hater either, but it's, it, yeah, it, it's just an excuse to do other better things. Also, also Black Friday's pretty dope. Yeah, Black Friday's pretty cool. Although, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that there aren't issues with Black Friday. Oh, yeah, like the, the modern-day slavery <laughs> portion of it. It's, it's, that's, that's different. I like getting good deals. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not trying to go into Andy and Brent's neo-communist podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've stifled it this far. Yeah, Suffice to say, the deals are good, but at what cost? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not touching that one. Yeah. So, um, how about, I'm going to ask you a question there, Brent. Okay. And, and I'm... That's, that's fine. I'm very happy that our producer, David, picked this one, because uh, I've got a lot of experience with it. David. I don't know if you do. Uh, cinnamon Toast Crunch Churros. Oh, is that a thing? <laughs> so I don't know if our producer, David, is aware of my recreational cereal um, habits <laughs> and how much I enjoy trying just about every new cereal that comes on the market. And Cinnamon Toast Crunch <laughs> Churros are a thing. Let me let me actually drop them in the Discord so you can take a quick look at them while we're here. Oh, God. I am ready to love this so much. I have so much love to give, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Most mostly for cinnamon related things. Oh yeah, you're gonna like this. There, I just dropped that in there. Oh my god, it's literally. Oh, so is it? Is it soft? No, no, it's a crunchy breakfast cereal. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I definitely want to eat the shit out they're of this. Super good. I think the thing I like about churros, though, is that they're big and soft. Yeah. Well, yes, the softness in the. So middle. I mean, we're so. For all of our listeners out there, there if you haven't had mm. them, and are, maybe are a grocery store pleb like me, <laughs> they're literally like they're like inch long mini churros that are apparently crunchy. Yeah, um, but made with the cinnamon toast crunch top seasoning, I assume. Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit different to it that kind of has a bit more of that um, churro spice to it. Oh, I, th- right. I think there's a slight different. Uh, breakdown in what's inside the 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 cereal does it ha- piece have like any hints of like the churro frosting that you usually get for dipping with it, it? does not not that not that i remember okay but it, so, it's quite good it's mostly a different form factor of an existing cereal yeah that that's the impression i'm getting i mean i guess i'd take a, an alternate version of cinnamon toast crunch if you're saying the flavor's different i can absolutely get behind that any excuse for more Cinnamon Toast Crunch, honestly. And the size of it is a really good one for dry snacking as well, if you're the kind of person who also enjoys eating dry cereal. Oh, that's that's the only way, yeah. dude. I was shoveling so many of those fucking strawberry, the Korean strawberry Oreo O's in with my fucking meat bomb. I am so jealous of you with your Korean strawberry Oreo O's. Oh, God, they are so good. <laughs> cereal off. What's up, right, everybody? Right now I'm going through are, strawberry shortcake Cap'n Crunch. I got a big bag of that. That's quite good. Is that a thing? Oh, it, it, oh. It's top notch. And then uh, before that, we were eating brownie crunch, which was really good too. Oh, which is it, it's I, almost like super chocolatey um, cocoa puffs with chocolate flavored marshmallows. 
That sounds so good. Yeah. This... <laughs> I, I eat an upsettingly few amount of cereals throughout the year, and I love cereal so much. What am I doing with my Get out life? there and get some new cereal, man. There's so much interesting cereal out there these days. Did you did you have the, oh, the golden Oreo-O's? Golden Oreo-O's? Yeah. Are they like golden grams, but Oreo-O's? No, they're like golden cause... Oreos. You remember the golden Oreos that were like yellow? Oh, yeah. yeah. Tastes like that. Ah, Top notch. No shit. Had, oh. So just like super vanilla -y. Yeah, really vanilla -y, Almost like Nilla wafers, which was better yeah, than the Nilla wafers cereal, I would have to say. I would. Yeah, Nilla wafers. I can, who cares? <laughs> uh, get out, yeah, all get right, out there and well, try some new cereals. Report back. Got a long shopping list. Uh, oh, God. I'm hungry. Uh, anyway. Let's talk about the Outer Worlds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, did you play that this I week? I did. I did. I played a lot of it. Uh, oh, fuck. Me too. Yeah. Man, is it so fucking good? Uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. <laughs> this is, <laughs> a, lot of fun this is a stupidly good game. <laughs> and I know that Obsidian has come out several times and say that they don't like that people keep just comparing it to Fallout and comparing it to the Bethesda Fallout games, but it's impossible not to. It. It'd be foolish. I don't know to. how you'd have a conversation about it without con constantly referencing the Bethesda Fallout games. Yeah. Also, it shocked me how much it reminded me of Mass Effect Two at the exact same time. Go on. Like, um, the party, the party screen oh, reminded oh, me yeah. a lot of it immediately, but also just like the way that you interacted with people on your spaceship all the time and how you'd have different like disputes like that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, like the character built, uh, character progression and stuff, not reminiscent of Mass Effect, but str still strong Mass Effect vibes with Mass Effect like world building, not just because it's in space, but like the going to different planets and stuff, because it's not a huge open world like Fallout is. It's very much like a broken down solar system. It's like a it's like a smaller open worlds. Yeah, exactly. Which is exactly what you got from Mass Effect, like open worlds of extreme varying degrees. You can have planets with like, you know, fucking 20 by 20 like moon bases and that's all that was on there. And then you'd have one that you'd be on for fucking four hours. So that, that very much reminded me. Of yes. It. I just, but just uh, before we get too deep in it, a quick, you know, five cent uh, description. Outer oh, worlds good. is a first person RPG, very much in the vein of the Bethesda fallout games. Or I'm sure there are other games that are like this. Maybe Skyrim, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But if you played Skyrim, you'd know how this... You'd, you'd feel it in this game as well. Yeah. You are in space. You are woken up. And you go about doing your space stuff. You build a party. You fly around on a ship to different planets, as, as you described. And you pick up quests of varying size and, and importance and intensity. And help people out. And there's a lot of... It's very dialogue and story heavy yes and we'll we'll try to be as spoiler free as possible because david uh warned me that she hadn't beaten it okay. yet and so we'll, we'll do our best uh, um, i would but... i would say let's try to avoid describing anything that doesn't happen on the first planet That's or fair. the first the first planet, yeah. and then this the, the uh what is it groundbreaker Does. afterwards yeah immediately after you get your ship and go into the open world Okay. Yeah, I, I think right. yeah, I think let's, that's because that's the first like two to four hours of gameplay, and I think that's safe. That's like it's probably a good fifth of the game, honestly. It's not a very long game, which 
a lot of people were coming at it before it was out and saying, oh, this is bullshit. I expected Fallout length games. And then they were like, again, this isn't a Fallout game. Please stop it. <laughs> um, but at the end of the game, I definitely wish it was longer, but it was only because I loved it so much. It wasn't because I thought that it owed me anymore. It definitely feels like from the way that certain things are set up and presented, they are they have a long-term plan for more content and you know kind of god i hope lar- so. larger just from th- certain things in the map if you know if you kind of get what i'm saying so i think that was a bit of a misnomer because there most of the planets are just uninhabited cuz i was wondering like when i could go to mm-hmm. them and then i looked and read it and it was like it's uninhabited and then after beating it it like obviously there's no mention of those planets so i don't don't know if they do have much like post game. Oh well, the, plans. then I, I would be disappointed if that's the case because I, uh, I. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure that if there's enough money in it, they'll they'll continue making content for it. But yeah, well, I mean that that depends where their development is. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they would have peeled off all of their developers from the game and then been like, and I'm hearing already that it's doing very financially well. Hmm. But I don't know if they've already peeled off all their developers and are working on something else, or they're waiting in the wings. They said they're not making another um, Pillars of Eternity game right now. So that means that if they're not working on this, they're not working on Pillars of Eternity, what are they working on? I'm, I'm hoping for but more content like there. this. I would love God, I hope so. some of the, you know, because like in New Vegas you had, what was the, the old, old World Blues, which was an incredible expansion. Yeah, they had like four or five and, patches. And those were but, like... Bethesda also had... A set business model at that time, though, because Fallout Three did the same thing. To be yes, fair. yes, it did. Although I don't think that any of the expansions for Three or Four really met the level of newness that the ones for New Vegas had, as far as just the amount of new content in an expansion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more of the same in Three, but yeah, New Vegas, like Obsidian really went above and beyond with New Vegas and especially with the dialogue options which you see a lot of in Outer Worlds I love they did the dialogue in this job. game the it's so the fun. writing is fantastic the voice acting is yep. fantastic I I've I, I'm not the the kind of person that will read flavor text in a game or codexes or journal entries and things like that and I've been yeah. reading through everything this game has given me because it's just so well written and everything that's in there actually characterizes the world around it rather than feeling like you're just reading from their game Bible. Yeah. Like a lot of codex <laughs> stuff you read and it's just like, this is just fluff. You know, I, yeah. I remember There's reading some of the stuff in... Somebody's diary. Yeah. Or, or some of the stuff in Mass Effect where they're describing lengthy things that happened millions of years ago with the ancient... Like, none of it ever... It doesn't help me understand or contextualize anything. It's just, it's it's like someone wanted to write a Wheels of Time style novel. It's and just you know, it's fodder for Wikipedia. That's all. It exactly. Is. So then when you go into like a, a Wikipedia spiral, then you're like, oh yeah, I guess there, that lore was on that planet. I probably read that at some point and completely fucking forgot it because it wasn't relevant at the time of me playing that video game. Whereas everything in this game is just there to give a greater context 
to what's what's immediately happening around you. Yeah. With a, with a few exceptions, oh, sure. there were some t- t- terminal notes that I read that I was like, okay, <laughs> I might skip the next five to make up for that time I lost. Uh, I've I've loved more than a lot of other these uh, the Bethesda style RPGs the way that they've done their quest stories as mm-hmm. being more ambiguous as far as whether or not you're doing the right or wrong thing in a lot of cases. Yes. Yep. There's so many instances where I've finished a quest and then someone, you know, one of my party mates reacted to the way I finished it with it. Oh, God, yeah, I guess if you phrase it that way, I was a real asshole. God, I didn't yeah. even think about that side of it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very on the first planet when you're um, when you're doing something, you basically have the opportunity to help one one colony or another. Yes. And so your your party member, very recent party member, um, which you don't necessarily need to get in your party, but if she is, she'll come up to you and be like, and have like a crisis of conscience, and be like, I don't know if you're doing the right thing here. Have you thought about this? And you're like, Oh no, I'm a, I'm a dumb shits, and I didn't care about any of that. <laughs> I in that first area, I think I went back and forth like four times. As I, cause I, I left the first town, like, oh, those guys, those, those, the big bosses are a bunch of assholes, and I'm going to screw them, and I'm going to kill these. Oh, no, these guys yeah. are bad, too. And then you get there, like, all right, I've made my decision, and then your party member explains her point of view, like, oh, right, there's other people involved here, too. <laughs> yeah, just because I'm only talking to the corporate fucking assholes. <laughs> Forgot about the I, I, 500 other people living in the city. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Jesus. And then when that the at least I don't I don't know how you ended up but the, the resolution that I finally ended up getting in that town was also very like oh I I didn't even think I'd be able to do that oh if that if I could have yeah. done that, oh right well if I'd known that from the beginning that would have been great I wouldn't have stressed out so much yeah and that was only spurned on by desperation by whichever faction you side with right. too because they would they would have never wanted to do that unless you literally cut off their power and left them for dead See- and then they're like. Oh god. Okay. Let's let's think about this reasonably now. One of the things I've really liked with this the story in this game that was also, you know, I think a step up from the recent Fallouts and Oblivion or uh, Elder Scrolls is that the main quest line is important but not urgent. Like yes. So I I agree to a certain extent, but there's a point in the game where you're told it is urgent and it needs to be done immediately and it doesn't need to be done immediately. Yes, but I, I just... In, That's very late. In, in general, game. unlike Fallout 3 where it's like, hey, your dad disappeared, you should go help him. Or 4 where it's like, <laughs> hey, your wife and kid are missing. Or uh, Skyrim where it's like, hey, you know, the king just died in Oblivion or dragons are attacking. Yeah. Like, this is just like, look, no, I see you, you, you should probably get out there and start making connections so that we can get these things that we need and fix this problem. But... No right. one is about to die. No, there's no one who's <laughs> getting away the longer that you wait and get distracted by helping this woman find her cigarette case. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, which was never a problem in the other games as well, but it, you always had that kind of dissonance of like, oh, well, you killed yep. the king, but I'm going to go join the Thieves Guild instead. I'll deal with those Oblivion <laughs> gates later. Yeah, I, I straight up ruined a playthrough in Oblivion because that was so poorly designed, but we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Did not have that problem with this game. <laughs> no, no, I, I did not. I, this was a, also, for at least for me, I know other people have run into it, but I didn't think I'd run into any bugged quests or bugs or anything. 
Um, other than like a no. couple of weird physics glitches of like you know you a body clips and then explodes across the room, kind of physics. Yeah, glitches. I I only got stuck in geometry once, and even then I found my way out after like five minutes of effort because I didn't want to reload the save I had. Um, but yeah, no, nothing, nothing game breaking at all. So yeah, well, well tested. Yeah, it was. There was like perhaps a loss of polish at some points in the game where you could have seen. Uh, all right, I could see where this would be better if they had a little more time and that this and that. Like it definitely doesn't come across as this like polished gem of a game. Um, but that being said, a lot of times that adds to the charm of it because it really is an indie game. Like Microsoft owns the studio now, but they didn't and they don't own the publishing rights for this game. So this is an indie game being published by a third-party pl- publisher, and it still plays like an elite AAA game. Oh, yeah. the Everything feels very thought out and well-tested and well-play-tested. Like the, I didn't get to points where I found weapons that were super overpowered or completely worthless. Like Everything feels yeah. like it belongs in the world that they created. Yeah, which which might be a gro- gripe with the weapons because the DPS uh, number is completely useless. That <laughs> you'll notice that like the guns that have the highest DPS are often the most useless. Yes, unlike other games of the silk, I did not find myself needing or wanting to switch out my weapons as often. I, you know, I spent longer time using the same set of four weapons than I did in like a Skyrim. Yeah. I think so too, and I think that might have been a problem with the gun design because I basically just, there's two tiers of every weapon in the game. So you find a gun that you're comfortable with, and then halfway through the game you can get the upgraded version of that, and then that's probably the game you're the gun you're playing with for the rest of the game because you've already decided you're comfortable with it and you can kill things mm. with it. Well, and I actually I kind of liked that because it meant that you know I found a gun. And I found the upgraded version, and then I modded it out to be what I wanted. Because, you know, I knew the mods that I had available, and I knew which ones existed in the game and what I liked. And so, you know, you know put mm. plasma on it and everything like that, and then tinkered it up as much as I could. Okay, cool. I don't have to look at guns anymore. I- I've got the guns that I need, and I don't need to really pay attention to every gun that's on the ground. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree to a certain extent, but also I like... One of my favorite things about the Fallout franchise is you can have, like, ten guns that you can switch quickly between um, instead of having an arbitrary fixed four-gun inventory. Because you're already lugging all these fucking guns around, so just why not throw them on the quick bar? You're just making me go into the menu and equip and unequip them. Um, Whereas in Fallout, you can can hot bar, I think, twelve guns at once, and then you can play with all of them, like, as needed. Yeah, I think I think that comes down to basically our, our play style because I I know I don't play this game correctly, <laughs> and that's just a failing of me. And that's it's the fine. same with um, with the Fallout games and with Elder Scrolls. I hate consumables and I won't use them. I don't use consumables in any Ooh. of the Fallout games. I just find them tedious, and to uh, uh. to mine, none of the games have ever done a good job of showing you. Of like giving you an easy way to browse the consumables to find the one that you want. 
So if you're at a point where like, yeah. all right, I need to hack this. I need to increase my mind attribute. What do I have that can do that? The, ga the game in, in all of the games, whether it's this or Fallout or, or Elder Scrolls, the game basically says, fuck you, that's unknowable information. Hover over every single one until you find it. <laughs> can I sort by that? Yep. No, because there's no consistency with what is or isn't an effect. And rather than put this yeah. in a table that you could just sort a column of, you know, the mind attribute column and how it affects it, this is just unknowable. You have to go through every single click. No, 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 no. And uh, I find that extremely tedious, so I just didn't do it. I didn't do it either until the very last boss. And then I was like, this is kind of hard. I should probably do that. I liked how they did the buffs, how there was like, a meat buff and a carbohydrate buff and a sugary drink buff, alcohol buff, debuff, that sort yes. of thing. Um, so it wasn't just like, oh, I ate a potato, I got potato buff. I ate fucking rotten grapes, I got rotten grape buff. <laughs> um, that that was even more unknowable. But I thought that the UI in Outer Wilds was terrible for consumables. Oh, yeah. Like, it was just in a grid. With the, you needed to look at the tooltip to know what the fuck everything did. And all the fucking icons were pretty much just... This like just bland garbage, like cans on cans on cans, shit like that. Yeah, this is a this is a problem with all of these. Well, honestly, I'm gonna say with a lot of games, almost all of them being made today, their UIs are garbage because they're designed <laughs> to look. Here we they're go. Designed to look pretty and to show off item and character design. They're not designed to <laughs> allow me to quickly address information like consumables. I should be able to without memorizing which do and do not affect my mind attributes or which affect healing or which affect regeneration or which affect um, your response time or slowdown time. Like, I should be able to just yeah. sort, search through this and sort through it somehow. And a table, which I, I grant is not the prettiest way to display information, but it is often <laughs> the most effective way to display information across multiple parameters. And I, I'm guessing that they're not going to put in a pivot table for me. So just a regular table would be fine. Just something that I can yeah. I can find this information out. Yeah, it's it's a lot like how games like Outer Worlds or a lot of modern games also just sort to junk. Like useless garbage that just needs to be, you know, hold X to sell all to vendor. Like, they literally just need, oh, which buff do you want? Like, I want this. Okay, well, you have all these different items. I don't, I don't care what they are. Consume the heaviest one first, because obviously I don't want it in my bags because it's the heaviest. That's actually a good question. I would, I would love to see. That's, that's a very interesting way to approach it. I would love to see a game that basically had all your consumables and said, what's the effect you're trying to get? I want to see poison. I, I, I need to get my hacking up. I need to get my, my attack speed up or my dexterity up. Like that. Yeah. And you can achieve that in, my, in a minor sense with the uh, the injectable, which is like the healing mm -hmm. thing for people who haven't played it, um, by putting in a couple of other things with different effects and it always uses those same items over and over again. So they, like, they saw that there was a need for it and they were like, hell yeah, well, let's design that. But they did it. In such at such a minor scale that it was completely ineffectual. When you mentioned the junk thing, it, it brings up another thing that I've hammered on in every single game, and I'm going to hammer on it again. Why would I ever want to approach a vendor and not sell all the junk that I have? If is there a single situation where I'm at a vendor and I want to leave with the junk that I'm carrying? 
Uh, no, not especially when it weighs you down, like in a game then like this. Then why do I have to push a button? I mean, it if if you're not doing anything, I mean, well, I guess you're picking it up. If you're picking it up, then yes, I agree. But if it was just like somehow it's getting in the inventory and somehow I'm making money, then that's all overhead. And like, why is it even in the game? Like, redesign well, every aspect of the economics. And of that's the something game. that I would say as well. I think. I think the whole junk thing in RPGs and, and the way carry around items that you don't want to use and have no interest to you. And in and, and a lot of RPGs, because they're a different class, you can't even use them if you wanted to so that you can bring them back to town to sell them. Is yeah. always so poorly implemented and not fun. And at least in a game like this, like they clearly saw that hovering over a guy, interacting with him to bring up a, a modal menu that pauses the game so you can add things to your inventory was tedious, and just aiming over the guy and bringing up a little pop-up menu to do all that stuff was better. That's a better way to handle it than the older games did, where you had to interact. Yeah. With so, like, that was great. That was a huge improvement. And it allows you to, you know, even though that actually made it harder in combat, because you couldn't pause the game to interact with with a chest <laughs> yeah. and see, oh, what's in here? Maybe there's something I can use. No, you just grab it all and run. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that there's, I don't know, that, that kind of bugged me. Um, yeah, a minor, a tiny minor thing. Same with the, um, that little pop-up that comes halfway up the screen on the right to tell you, like, you got EXP, you salvaged these three months. Oh, it's so slow. And it, it covers up the UI of the things that you're looking at. Yeah, which you're not wrong. They could have just put that in the upper right hand corner. It would never have been a problem. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't put it up there, but again, such a, a yeah. small, small complaint. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen a feed, too, because there was times where I would wait to see what the next pop up was because they didn't I'd just dump everything at once. A lot of times yeah. like they would for quest rewards. Um, and even then it would be nonsense to be like, oh, you got like 1200 bits and then 1200 bits and then 1200 bits and then something else. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> How did this math work out? Um, yeah, I, I had a lot of like little niggling things as well. Um, I was surprised by how many minor not annoyances there were in the game. Um, and like I said, this just comes down to polish probably, um, on console, like the getting directly to the map, um, was a sort of hidden button option where you have to hold down the view button for like a second. Oh, weird. Um, I had to go into this. Like, yeah, it wasn't an intuitive at all. And I'm sure a lot of people, like, I feel like I'm one of you know, 15 people that go into the controls and read all the controls so they don't miss <laughs> any functionality. <laughs> um, yep. In this game, it paid off tremendously because there was like four or five buttons that I was like, oh, that that's what that does? Or that's how I get there? Um so I thought that was a bit weird. Um, oh, yeah, the UI pop-ups are totally on my list as well. Uh, the drawing and um, unequipping weapons was really annoying because picking up items and reloading and drawing and undrawing your weapon were all the same button on oh, console. Oh, ew. Yeah. Yeah, so the one button to rule them all is always fucking annoying. And in that case, like, it got real annoying, especially when you're reloading, like, an LMG. <laughs> And you're just trying to loot like one thing, and you're sitting there like, all right, draw out the new mags. Like I just wanted to pick the thing up and continue on my merry way. No, did not need to reload my 400 shell canister just to pick this necklace up. Um, also 
The map was fucked on console. Really? It took... Did you have load issues with it? No, I didn't have any. I was waiting, like, fucking sometimes up to 45 seconds for the map to load. Every time I went oh, into Jesus. it. Drove me fucking insane. I was so mad one of the times because I was like, this is never going to end. I'm going to have to fucking uninstall Sky. It's and funny. I, I actually had a note in here to talk about how much I liked the map because I liked oh, be, because I liked that it was so clear what was and wasn't a thing to look at. Yes, I, I liked the map when it was loaded, <laughs> to be very clear. I thought the the fast travel points were well designed. I love that I could port directly into my oh ship. Oh my god, yes. And then boogie out how great was the the nav system in the ship too it's like whoop you're there whoop you're you're in or out of the thing it was very very painless that was fantastic i loved that they they clearly listened to the complaints that people had with other bethesda rpgs like especially teleporting into your ship I remember one of the first mods I install when playing Skyrim is the one that allows me to tell to fast travel to the house that I bought in the city rather than fast traveling to the city and then walking to the house, which is stupid. And then loading twice. That was... And you're just not playing a game for three (laughs) minutes at a time. That was great. One of the things that bugged me actually was I was trying very hard to play through this game without stealth or theft. Because the Bethesda RPGs always, like, the way to play is be a thief and be a rogue and stealth around. And you'll, that's the way that so many of the puzzles are easily solved. And the way you get the best items is by lockpicking and sneaking around and robbing people and lying to them. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to play as, I'm going to play as a generally honest person and I'm not going to steal anything. Generally. Well, you know, fib a little bit. Do yeah. my best. <laughs> and a couple of times, I accidentally, you know, I'm I'm looking in crates and I and I hit the button to grab it. It wasn't, uh, you know, something I could grab. It was theft. And so a guard runs over to me and says, "Hey, what the hell are you doing?" And because <laughs> most of my points went into dialogue, I could very easily talk my way out of it and get the guy to leave me away, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. But all of every time you do that, you get a little. EXP boost because you used your your persuasion or your threat to yeah get out of a situation. So by playing honestly, I lost a lot of opportunities for XP. You would get a rep decrease though. That's that's an important distinction, yes. and you can never you can never get that back. So there's there's a revered I forget how it works. It's there's a positive bar and a negative bar basically. And you build both at the same time. So if you have one all the way up, um, and you also have the negative one all the way up, then you're they're just indifferent to you, basically. So you want one bar to be higher than the other. Right. So yeah, th- there is that trade-off. Yeah. But but yes, there, it's the XP, though, I would argue, becomes completely minuscule later on. That it's It definitely pays off earlier to use all the persuades. But also, that's should be maybe one of the perks of playing like a high in- intelligence high charm person cuz if you're a big meat sack then you can run around and you know crush everybody's skulls in the in the colony and get xp as well right yes the, the problem was by playing as a high intelligence honest person those persuades don't come up as often because i don't have to talk my way out of as many situations 
Well, I think they they sort of draw an interesting. Uh, so with the higher persuade things, you get more XP, right? Um, later on in the game, you see a lot of opportunities for like ninety or a hundred plus uh, persuade options, and those are where like you get big payout. So I think it, it does pay it's out. It's a late game strategy. Yeah, but also to your point, like you can still do both. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's again, yeah, it's not I a huge, not I a guess huge it deal. Depends on what you're. I never, I never felt like I was behind or getting you know, really gimped. It was just something I noticed and thought, like, oh, I, I would have been getting all of these different things if I had been stealing and lying and robbing people more often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, to your point, I'm, I was only playing devil's advocate. I would go in and sneak and do lock picking on boxes, but I wouldn't steal the things just to get the XP. Yes, I did a lot of that. I did a lot of anytime yeah. I could hack something or convince something of someone of something, I took that opportunity, even if I wasn't actually trying to, you know, get the shitty I'm a bad person ending. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think yeah, I think if there were no rewards for it, I may have paid more attention to a lot of things. Cause anytime like a persuade or a high in just uh, option popped up. I was like, that one, that's the one I'm doing, yep. obviously. I also liked, which I know some games don't do, I, I think the, the Bethesda ones do, but some RPGs don't, that it showed me that I could have gotten, like if I had had a higher engineering skill, there's an option here I yeah. could have done, but I didn't have it. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that. I know that some games you know, don't want you to seal the stuff that you're missing, but I liked that this game very readily showed me, like, yeah, there's stuff here that you, you know, here's an area that you're just not going to be able to access. And kind of unlike, yeah. No, I, I unlike it. Fallout Four, especially had that where it was like, "Hey, here's a door that's locked, but then here's also, you know, and if you don't have a high enough thing, there's also a computer here that you can use to hack it to open it, and then there's also a thing over here you can interact with and just brute force it open if you want. So like, whatever build mm. you want can get through here. Like, so it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. then. It's almost like you didn't need to have a thing stopping you from getting in there in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's how I felt, and maybe it's just because I play more thorough, um, like a more like I try and like grab everything, cover as much ground as possible. But I always found like every possible way to get into a mm -hmm. place, and then I would be like, oh, I'm, I was kind of curious how that would have played out, and so I would do the first thing, get the ex like the optional XP for that one, then go back around the back of the building and like do the sneaky version just to experience both at the right. same time, which. Maybe, maybe a testament to good design because I wanted to do both of those things, but also I, eh, I was kind of like, well, I, I don't feel like I, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm ultimately praising the game because it was rewarding me covering, like just searching high and low for everything, and then I had infinite options. It, it definitely rewards searching, and it, it does, a, does a very good job having things that are searchable, but not feeling like I need to look in every single nook and cranny. Like it's yeah, things yeah. are hidden, but they're hidden in, in reasonable ways. Cause other yeah. games, you know, yeah. I, I, some of the, the collectibles you'll find like in you know some of the Wolfenstein games, for example, are so hidden and you need to spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to get into that area. Whereas this right, is just right. like, Oh, Hey, you looked behind that boiler and there was a box. Yep, there's, you, f you found yep. the key there, or the ID that allows you to, you know, hide in plain yeah. sight. I didn't really love the bullet time all that much. I think, so, that's that's interesting. 
I think it was the first thing that might have almost turned me off of the game. When I started playing it, I got the time dilation, which just, yeah, is bullet time. It just slows down time, but doesn't last very nope. long. Um, and I didn't really understand how it worked for a while, because if you just fire your gun like three times, which I think is the average length, then it's just over, and you're like, that was it. But the the main utility is for you to use it, and then you can just spend time in it plotting out your moves and looking at the different body parts and stuff. And I think that's where the real value was. But ultimately, I kind of agree. I sort of stopped using it like halfway through the game. I basically only used it to get my party, you know, basically to assign um, actions to my party members. You go hmm. over here, use your thing. You go over here, use the thing. Otherwise, like, I just play as a regular speed first person shooter. And it, I don't yeah. see any, it, it's not enough of a benefit. Yeah, on on hard, I didn't find too much benefit. I didn't play on Supernova because there's there's so much. I I, it, I like that it's sort of set up for a second playthrough because like you can lose party members permanently and shit Ooh. like that. And I was like, I'm not signing yeah. up for that. <laughs> I'm gonna play on hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, on hard, I didn't find too much use for any tactical thinking or time dilation really. Um, up until the last boss, which I won't talk no. about, but I found found a lot of use for it there. One thing that actually really pissed me off was how long it took me to realize that I could change the behavior of my party members. Yeah, that was well hidden. I, I was using the go here command to stop them from running in with melee. Because I was just like, stop. <laughs> you could just like, turn melee body, off. Fucking stop going in there with a hammer. Just stay ranged. I gave you a rifle. Just stay here. <laughs> yeah they definitely hid that well and that's such a great feature that any game with ai should mm -hmm. utilize and should not hide um that's still my favorite thing about final fantasy 12 is how deep in the weeds you can get with uh telling your characters what the fuck to do without actually controlling them and in the fallout games you all of that was controlled by talking to them and saying, like, hey, yeah. I want you to use this weapon. Hey, I want you to stick to mostly ranged or mostly melee. I want you to be a little less aggressive. Mm -hmm. So when that wasn't part of the dialogue, I was like, oh, I guess they just don't have that in this game. And I ended up finding it accidentally when looking at their stats page, like, four planets in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I It definitely seemed like they tried to go a little light on tutorials, which is appreciated. But also, I definitely missed out on some features for a great part of the game so one thing actually i want to say about this and about these fallout type games in general and i feel bad saying it but fighting the robots is kind of boring yeah it required different guns but yeah otherwise they move they slow. move slow and because they're not as articulated they're not as animated they don't run for cover they don't really have a lot of tactics yeah, they, they, they're just big trash yeah bands. at least the the f the fauna and flora that attack you are big and interesting to look at, but just the the general mechanicals kind of eh. I don't know. And I had I had the same problem yeah. in in the Fallout games. Just I didn't find them interesting to fight. Once you figured out what they were weak to, it was just oh okay, that's the end of it. Yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, that's always true of like humanoids too. It's like, oh, pop them in the head. At, at least with the humanoids, they kind of, you know, they disperse, they run for cover and you're mostly fighting humanoids in open areas. Whereas the robots are always like, you walk into a room and there's a robot in there. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a small thing. It's a, it's a small point, but it's something that, that always mm -hmm. bugs me with these games. Yeah. Well, eh, eh. I mean, that's that's all the bad stuff we have to say is all minor niggling things. Like, it's <laughs> it's a pretty good package if all we're doing is nitpicking. I know that there were some complaints um, that there was, from my understanding, no romance options. I haven't run into any. Uh, there's no romance so, options. So, like, I don't care at all that there are no romance options, but I know some people were I, upset by this. Uh, yeah, I don't really care either. Like, you're you're playing a silent hero in this game, so it's not like you're playing Commander Shepard, the fully voiced, articulate human that you you want to see fucking <laughs> alien. Like, yeah, you're, I, I, you're you're playing in a first person's perspective the entire time. You're like basically a disembodied creature. You don't want to see your main character open their mouth and rub it against someone else's open mouth in the most non-sensual way possible because <laughs> game mechanics. Uh, yes, I'm a. I'm a repressed nerd. Of course I do. I don't know. It, the sex scenes in, in Mass Effect and Witcher and David Cage games just always seem very like kid who doesn't understand sex rubbing two Barbies together. <laughs> well, you have to, it, it has to almost be like a sizzle reel, right? Because you're trying to make it look good in a short amount yeah. of time. But also it's not a movie. So you're not like, it's not going with the flow of, of the cinematic process it's just sort of like i entered this dialogue option the dialogue option said let's fuck and then you fuck um so it's, it's hard to work in but you know like i'm not gonna complain about a rogue boob well, here or there i mean the mass Effect game never had boobs though those were all pg-13 well and andromeda oh, uh, I, I never played andromeda pretty rowdy. i never played andromeda well, you, you missed the the porn. Oh, because one through three, to my memory, was all softcore, over the clothes, PG thirteen sex implied. Um, there was butts. Uh, okay, yeah, sorry, but butts. Yeah, you you would see butts and barebacks. Yeah, I mean, you can see butts on primetime TV. That doesn't yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's nothing that's exciting me about that. I want to see. I want to <laughs> see. I want to see huge Krogan dong. Well, <laughs> tune in next week for our spicy takes on <laughs> porn in yeah, gaming. Right. Rule 34 Krogan. Uh, you vamp for a couple minutes. I got some research <laughs> to do. Uh, There's not pants big enough. <laughs> I don't really have much much else to say on the uh, on the Outer Worlds. Like, it's well written. It's well acted. It's well crafted. All of my complaints are mm -hmm. so small. Yep, um, me too. I think the only note that I would also say is that like the world, the world building itself is so impressive, and that they sort of put you in this mo the most depraved like corporate modern day slave environment ever, where every like you have like just the upper class and like the bottom barrel low class that are signing these shitty like work contracts, and yet somehow the game manages to be really upbeat <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Like it, it was real interesting. Like they may have been trying to make a statement, but I was just happy that like there's it was such a fun um, world to be in, despite this like the setting and whatever statements they were trying to make. I also have to say, and I don't think this is any any spoilers by mentioning. It, I just love the character of Parvati. I thought she was fantastic. 
Oh yeah, she was and great. Uh, acted out by the talented yes, Ashley I'm Birch. Happy to see her doing more roles like this and less roles like Tiny Tina. Just because I feel like this showed a lot more of her range. Yeah, yeah. As much as I enjoyed Tiny Tina. Well, after Horizon Zero Dawn, I think the the world's her yeah. oyster. <laughs> yes, very true. Um, but yeah, she was just... What a great character to come out of a game like this. And completely Absolutely. unexpected. The amount of depth and subtlety in writing and performance. Because like, I, I just think of so many of the crew members and party members in other games like this, and they're all very over the top. And they're very abrasive, or they're very gung-ho, yes. or even the ones like, like I think of like, um, was it, was it Tali from Mass Effect? Mm-hmm. Who is kind of a bit more reserved, but to a fault. And like to yes, the point yeah. where she's so reserved, she's in a specially hermetically sealed suit from a race that is completely cut off from the, like, okay, we get it. She's not part of your group. (laughs) Wait, can you explain metaphors to me? The heaviest possible hand operating the (laughs) biggest possible brush. Yeah. uh, Amazingly well-written. The other characters are well-written as well, but Parvati especially just, and her, her quest was such a blast to run through. I've told three or four people who don't play games about that quest line just because it was such a joy to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was honestly like a pretty special plot line. Like the the actual actions of the quest are kind of tedious, but like just just talking to her in between every quest mission or every objective was very special. I, I, so, not, not to belabor the, the, all of it too much. I also liked, and we don't think we talked about it yet, the fact that your party members chime in in conversations a lot. And w- Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. And having the person that you're talking to start addressing one of your party members and talking to them instead, mm-hmm. or having your party member cut in with an objection or a correction was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they would fully turn their head toward the character that was talking, too. And sometimes they would just ignore him, too. They would turn their head back and be like, okay. <laughs> and sometimes they'd fully argue with him. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Very good design. Oh, there was one bug that I ran into, which almost made the game more uh, uh, more amusing for it. There's some texture pop-in. On, I don't know if you have it on the Xbox version as well. It, oh, yeah. Definitely saw some late when you every time you start a conversation with someone they won't start talking to you or acknowledging you until all the textures have loaded properly so so (laughs) i've noticed it a few times walking up to someone and you address them and then they just take like five seconds to look up at you (laughs) it it almost like until i noticed it happening with every conversation you say oh god i i'm sorry am i you told me to come here (laughs) <laughs> it really made me not feel like the hero of time because it seemed like people <laughs> weren't excited to see me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't happen a lot to me, but every time it did, I was like, what's, what's, what did I do? <laughs> are, are you mad at me? What can I do to fix this? I would be interested to, to have Obsidian just make a full-on narrative adventure game. Like, just take these kind of areas and build 
a narrative game without as much or even any action combat. Hmm. Almost something more akin to I, like the original Beyond Good and Evil, where it was much more focused on the adventure storytelling. Yeah, I think I think they do a good job of it with like Pillars of Eternity as well. So I th- I think they like that that hearty marriage of like deep gameplay and like really deep storytelling. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. They, they don't need to take any advice from me. Clearly, they are, they know what they're doing. They know what they're about, <laughs> and they're doing it very well. Yeah, I mean, I got a message from the the director that said, "Shut the fuck <laughs> up, Andy." So let's take that. For Stop a trying to take guns out of All our right. games. <laughs> literally. Who do you want? Life is Strange season three by Obsidian, you I mean, bastard. Kind of. That actually yeah, sounds kind of good. I, 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 I checked that out. <laughs> Yeah, me too. All right, we're running late. Let's uh, any la- final, final, uh, no, final. No, go thoughts? buy Outer Worlds. It's great. Well, let's put let's yep. put it on our list. Same. Before we, before let's we put forget. It on the list. Um, do you have it up? I don't have it up. Uh, I'm horrible at this. Oh, actually, I, I do. do have it up. What am I talking about? Yeah, we were on there before. Okay. Fuck guy. I see you highlighted the, the number 22 spot. Yeah, that was when I was trying to count all of the, the Ubisoft looter shooters I played this year. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, they really are all yeah, in the it's, bottom there. Oh, it's not been yeah. a good year for looter shooters okay. that weren't Borderlands 3. Yeah, no, sir. Um, this is actually a tough one because this game is so good. So I want you to rank it first. I'm willing to put it... In the six to eight range, I think I think it deserves to be up I there would, somewhere. I was thinking in the four to six okay. range. Do you do you think it was better than Devil May Cry Five? I'll ask you that. I think put it there. So bump it down. I think, I think so. All right, so that leaves Outer Worlds at number four, obviously behind Fire Emblem, Kingdom Hearts three. Control and before Devil May Cry Five, Superland, Sekiro, and Link's Awakening. I'm not doing them all. Just top eight. <laughs> Just top eight. Um, there are 29 total games on our list for 2019. Y'all, if you didn't know, we play a lot of fucking video games. Just for your benefit, it's def- definitely not for no. our wallets. God no. Honestly, if it weren't for that Microsoft Game Pass, some of these games would not be on this list. Uh, yeah, straight up. Save. That's that saved me money this week. Yeah, both of us. You played it because of Game oh, Pass yeah, too, no, obviously. I, hey, I, this is a great deal. This justified yeah. Game Pass for the whole fucking year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Straight. All right. Well, we'll give it a shout out then. I try not to give a shout. I love Game Pass so much. I feel like I talk about it too goddamn much, or it sounds like I'm on the take. But shout out to Game Pass. Yeah, shout out. All right. All right, so let's wrap this bad boy up. We appreciate any likes, subscribes, and what have you. Uh, we're on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Stitcher. I'm not order- reading these off in any specific order, but go out there, find us, like us. We notice. We appreciate it. Yeah, get back, get back to us with your thoughts. I mean, we occasionally say things that are really incendiary and give really hot takes. So we want to know like how spicy those takes were. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing we haven't had a uh, raging mob coming after us with uh, tridents. As long as we don't end up in the shit gamers say Twitter, I'm fine. I'm happy. Oh, the 
That's kind of the dream. Oh, uh, actually, no. Those are usually r- yeah. Really it's usually bad. just racism and transphobic shit. There, right? <laughs> I'm yeah, glad we exactly. haven't hit that. Yeah, I, I just want to make it in the the, the mildly corny yeah. hot takes. Yeah, I, I want people to give a shit for our great opinions and not for being racist. <laughs> Ideally. All right, at Game Off Podcast on yeah. fucking everything. I've been Arcadia at Arcadia at fucking everything. I've been Andrew Solitaker at Solitaker on one thing. Right. <laughs> Good, <night. laughs> Good night, everybody.